Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Scratch Cinema Podcast. I am your host, Chase, joined as always by my co-host, Quinnell. She thinks Elon Musk and Grimes already have the most bullied baby, and the little guy's loaded. Peanut 12 just got to the world, and he's already got the makings of a supervillain. Welcome, Quinnell. We should just be kinder to him, because he's weird. <laughs> I mean, he isn't anything yet. He's he's just a child. No, no. He's already weird. No, no, no. <laughs> you think already? Weird is not always about being having a personality. Not everybody's personality has to be weird for them to be considered weird. You think his mere existence, his name, everything about him is already weird? His parents, yeah, he was born into weird circumstance. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to go too much into it, but oh boy, that there's a lot going on there. I'm happy um, for them that they found somebody else this odd. That's the thing, though. I didn't think they would ever end up together. They seem odd, but in, like, totally opposite directions of odd, if that makes sense. I felt like the fact that they got together made me feel like they were going to be together for a long time. That's Because it just seemed so unlikely to begin with. I'm like, oh, there is something something that is drawing you guys to each other that is just not clear to anyone else. (laughs) And that seems so pure. Who do you think is going to play Elon Musk and who do you think is going to play Grimes in the weird romantic comedy drama that comes in like 20 years? Oh, 20 years? I don't sure. know which children are going to grow up to be these actors. 20 years? Can we do next year? All right, sure. Next year. Because I would like for Miley Cyrus to play Grimes. Okay, that's a good one. Um, that's, This is the real test. I would like Leonardo DiCaprio to play Elon Musk. <laughs> okay. I I can see that. Yeah, they kind of look alike now. Uh vaguely. I think they have similar hairstyling. I think maybe because Elon Musk tries to look like Leonardo DiCaprio. I but think something happening in the eye section actually. Of yeah. Face. Yeah. Just like the rest of their heads are so large and their eyes are always like narrowed. <laughs> For some reason. Who would you who would you then cast as their child? Who's the See now the... I can't do that. I don't know. I don't know what kind of weird he's gonna end up. So we're gonna have to wait on that one? Uh, like I just I I'm not sure. What if what if they come out perfectly normal and that's what's bizarre? That would be pretty funny, honestly. And that he has to live his life trying to run from his weird parents, yeah. change his name. Super loaded, and somebody finds out that he's Elon Musk's kid <laughs> with a weird name. He starts going by something like John. I don't think he's gonna be allowed to be named that. Um, I think there was something about how you can only have certain characters, which I don't care, but it's just funny because I now imagine Elon Musk maybe not in their legal name, but that's oh, their for sure. Name now. They're going to call him that, but I could still imagine, like, a late-night Elon Musk tweet thread where he, like, rages against California law about how he can't name his child what he wants. I agree, but, I mean, imagine he manages to do this and the kid, like, can't change their name. There's a bunch of pressure about them not changing their name. I just mean, for cinematic purposes, I don't—who knows how this kid is going to turn out. We keep calling him him, even though Grimes was like, actually, I want a baby. And yeah. That like, was the interesting the thing. Yeah, because then Elon Musk just kind of threw that out the window. There's <laughs> there's a very weird dynamic they got going. Maybe not a good one. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like they have one of those relationships that I... It feels like whatever 
combines them, I'm never going to know. Yeah. Only they will know. Yeah. And it's a weird, like, weird world. Why are you guys into each other? What is it? <laughs> it's it's unexplainable. They're not. And oh. it's just annoying. I would love to hear a more honest interview about it. I just Maybe I someday. Maybe someday reality show and you know i don't watch reality tv i don't think they would do a reality show i think they would watch the heck out of it you would watch the heck out of it i want to know i do speaking of watching the heck out of something we watched the heck out of hollywood the new netflix miniseries don't worry we'll we'll get to westworld but i wanted to talk through through hollywood first because we've both seen it, and, and I have some some thoughts. Um, okay, what thoughts do you have immediately about Hollywood? Immediately, I liked the first almost half of it, and I'm going to try and avoid spoilers, but essentially the premise is it's a reimagining of Hollywood where the the underdogs, the down-and-outs, manage to find their way in this world, and... I think that type of reimagining, that wish fulfillment type of idea is interesting. It just takes a major nosedive when they kind of run out of conflict and story for the characters to do, if that makes any sense. I don't know. What did you think? Um, okay, well, uh, I didn't finish it. <laughs> so uh -oh. I actually have watched, I think, three-fourths of it. I think I have a couple episodes left. I almost think you should stop there. I... But... You you might be right. However, I will say immediate thoughts. The skill level of these actors is just a mod podge. What is going on here? Yeah, everyone's given great performances. It is, no, I wouldn't say every actually no no I disagree. Sometimes it is so terrible it is almost parody. Like what? Like who? Um. Oh God, they all have their moments. Oh, little Jack Costello. Um. And he's, like, corny, but is it written as corny, and he's just having to work with the lines he's no, got? Or do you think his performance is both? both. Sometimes it's the writing, and sometimes it is the performance. I do really, really appreciate that he seems to have been based on James Stewart. Mm -hmm. And he just, like, screams his lines <laughs> in a way that's just very, it's very classic of the time. I, I think that he's great at capturing nostalgia, but also sometimes it seems almost campy right and yeah. i was trying to think is it doing that because it's of the time where movies would be a little bit more soap opera-y a little bit more corny feeling i think it is sometimes but i also think that there are moments that almost fall flat for me because of it for mm -hmm. example um when the two women are both auditioning for the same role of peg or mm -hmm. meg whichever one is going on <laughs> It starts as Peg and is switched to Meg. For those yeah. that don't know, that's the movie they're all trying to make about a real-life person that went to the Hollywood mm -hmm. sign and jumped off of it, which is pretty dark. Sorry, go ahead. A lot ahead. is about it being because they didn't fit in and didn't feel accepted and right, couldn't right, find right. Anyway, so you have a black girl and a white girl both um, auditioning for the role, or black girl and Jewish girl. Um, and the implication is that the black girl did just a better job performing and it's just a lie <laughs> mm -hmm. you don't think, think she did a better job no i think that it feels when you watch it like the white girl i don't remember her name doesn't matter she's her the daughter of the studio head yes the first half of her reel is so compelling 
And then it's almost like halfway through, she decided she wasn't supposed to be good. Yeah, I think she tossed it. I think she, she purposely screwed it up. But she ate the first half of that audi- the, the audition and the reel so much that I just don't even think it compares to the other girl's reel at all. I mean, so here's the thing where I think is interesting. Actors playing actors, I think, is always like kind of bizarre because then they have to play into multiple layers. And I might disagree a little bit because I do think you have to finish strong. And the whole storyline was that she wasn't able to cry. But in that moment, she digs deep. She finds it. Oh, and that one tear is so, (laughs) so very believable. This is the problem. I have to pretend that it feels more compelling because I know that it's supposed to plot wise, but it's just not true. And if they're actors, why not just act? Why not just make the scene compelling unless maybe you can't? I just feel I feel challenged a lot where I'm trying to figure out if they're playing bad actors on purpose or not. I think sometimes yes, because the whole idea was she hadn't got that many roles. And I yeah, think the movie not, and people who would defend it... Be, sorry, go ahead. I, right, but I just feel like that moment is the opportunity to sort of flex your true ability and she's not supposed to be playing... She's not supposed to be pretending to be a poor actor. And that's what I'm confused about. I think the thing is she's supposed to be an inexperienced actor because she hasn't gotten a leading role. She's always been the side character, the maid. I think it's bad. (laughs) I think it is meant to be a little clunky, but it is that she then manages to get this chance because defenders of this would say that's the whole message, that unless she gets the chance to fail and try or be in this moment, she won't get the skills because she'll just always be stuck in this side role, if that makes sense. I feel like this is a reach, though. (laughs) Why? I feel like you're lending so much to what the plot is, the plot's message, that we're just being distracted from the fact that she blew this scene. Not the character blew the scene, the actress blew the scene. Okay, okay. So then then for you, from the rest of that, once she gets it, you can't overcome the fact that she did a bad job to get the role in the first place. Exactly, because they, so there's a starting scene where Darren Chris's character is basically telling her that this is the moment she's supposed to act her ass off. Mm -hmm. And she basically tells him that he's being an asshole. I wish that there was a comparison between those two scenes that made it seem like this was that much of an improvement. Mm-hmm. And, it was, and you don't think it was? No, I felt like she did the same thing all over again. Except this time with a single tear. Yeah, but it was a really good single tear. She couldn't <laughs> right. do it before. And then you have these beautiful, beautiful scenes like between Rock Hudson and and Dick. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, he's he's sort of about to give in to this darker self where he's going to hook up with this guy. And then he realizes that he's doing it for the wrong reasons. And this guy's just a nice, innocent actor trying to make it big time in Hollywood and he shouldn't abuse his position. And it is such a beautiful scene. It might be my favorite scene in it. In and some he ways. eats the heck out of it. And to go from that scene to these other scenes that are just so campy and they're so terrible. Yeah. Bond girl is talking to Jack Costello and I guess she's trying to seduce him. Mm-hmm. But she leaves this long break for a sigh where she's talking to him and then mid conversation she sighs <laughs> and it's just is this bad? Or so is it here, good? 
here's the thing that gets weird about it is there are those moments where they kind of grapple with the underside the horrors of hollywood and then they also like lean into sort of like it's campy and fun and like everyone's like getting their dreams and it's like this weird thing and i don't want to go too much into it because you haven't seen it but pretty much everything works out totally fine in a way that i totally have to suspend disbelief that they create artificial conflict and then fix it within like a scene. It's immediately like, oh, this was this big problem, but never mind, we fixed it. And then it just kind of keeps going. And I don't know. It it was cute and interesting in some ways towards the beginning, but basically from episode 4 to episode 5 on, it really just I I think it overstayed its welcome. It was already a mini series, but I think it maybe should have been like 3 episodes. Because the later half of it gets really just too much. I know that's harsh. I I actually think I like it more than most people. Well, I, think I really people, like it. I just I do too. I have criticisms as always. What other criticisms <laughs> of do you have? Um, let's see. Oh well, I, I guess I talked to you about this earlier, but hmm. I don't like their treatment of older women at hmm. all throughout. Yeah the entire show because I feel like they start off with you thinking that there is going to be I don't know some respect to their perspectives and mm. then most of them just become punchlines yeah in in some ways the the first interaction between um Jack and the wife of the studio head and she has come to the um gas station where it's a front for a prostitution ring where they can take a man to a hotel it's like very sad feeling but then it does feel silly and those things at the same time don't really work they don't yeah and it's, it's very disrespectful to the original message that they were trying to send not just that when he the the writer meets the one of the women who's in in charge at the studio and she's like oh you're colored I love it. And she kisses him on the face. And yeah. So uncomfortable. Same with, was it, is it supposed to be Eleanor Roosevelt who comes to the studio? Is that who that yeah. was supposed she, to be? She saved the day, sort of, when and they need. And she's so cringe. <laughs> Were, was it meant to be that it's sort of like they've had to put up this endearing, uh, play the good wife type of persona, but then they do have their own aspirations and depth and dreams but outwardly they have to put on this kind of front, maybe? Or is that being overly generous? I mean, I don't think it's being overly generous to the idea that they might have had behind it, but the delivery is nothing but cringe. I, I, the delivery is so cringy that we have to ask the question <laughs> as right. to whether or not it is supposed to be genuine. I think it was meant to be funny. Scenes like that were meant to be silly and humorous. Yeah, I just wasn't wish funny. It was just yeah. cringy. And that's what it was, was so hard cringy. for me that it was just uncomfortable this woman walking through all these horrors of blackness and without really talking about it in any honest way. And so in some ways I was like, "Oh, okay, I understand how this is supposed to represent how white people can be racist while still empathizing, but maybe she's supposed to be genuine and cool and I'm supposed to like her." Mm -hmm. And that's where I think there have been some people who have had a little bit of an issue with the handling of race, because there's obviously the dynamic where basically everyone is queer. And I don't know a lot about the writer, but he himself is queer. 
mm-hmm. correct? Oh, yeah. Yes, right. And a lot, a lot of his other things have dealt with that, I think, a little bit more delicately. But in this, ironically, and I'm, I'm going to read the tweet that I had sent you. Um, Ira Madison of the Keep It podcast said, I loved the wish fulfillment of Hollywood in theory, but it made a very conflict-free and suspenseless programs. Also, while there were some truly great performances, Joe Mantello and Holland Taylor brought me to tears. Ironically, the black actors Jeremy Pope and Laura Harriet were the most underserved in story and arc. And that especially becomes true in like the last two episodes, especially uh, Laura Harriet's character. You don't know what happened to her. She really sort of just like fades into the background. Everyone else, you're like, oh, they're doing these projects and they get to do all this fun stuff. But then they just sort of fade away. I don't know. I I think there's a good show in here. I really do. I, but... I agree. I mean, I definitely would suggest it to someone. I, I recommend it to someone. Yeah. Um, it feels iconic in a way that I think will only get progressively more interesting. But right now, as it is, like, current... It's just so flat in certain moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The directing is fantastic. Right. Visually. I thought the visual look of it was fun. Um, and they really play up a lot of the, the locations and the time frame. But... They keep the light in that, that in um, Archie's eyes so that you can see them at all times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good. It's, it's really slick feeling. It's just then the story just will sometimes like totally bottom out. And I don't know. And I think it's, there are moments that the story is just failed by the actors. I mean, so can we can we talk about uh oh who's the main guy who has the pregnant wife? Jack Costello. Jack Costello. Did you get to the part what happens with his wife at I think the end of episode four? Um, when he doesn't love her. Yes. There's another revelation that happens that basically just like removes her from the story, which she was kind of barely in anyway. But it's sort of like the writers were like, ah, oh, we don't know what to do with this. Blah. And she just sort of is gone. Oh. And it's, and it's weird. I don't I don't want to tell it too much, but essentially you know how he was having his own infidelity. Mm-hmm. It's then revealed, oh, she was having also infidelity. And it like almost lets Jack's character off the hook without him having to do any sort of redemption. Whereas other characters, like um the the daughter of the studio head, she was being positioned as an antagonist, but she gets sort of a like a very quick redemptive arc. And then it's like, oh, okay, she's fine. And everything just feels so rushed. I feel like they maybe could have almost cut some of the character arcs to build up some of the other ones. If that makes sense. Mm. I also think. Um, what did you. Okay. I'll ask you first. I don't remember his name. Oh I do remember his name. He's Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Yes he is Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. What did you he's think so of Jim Parsons? Yeah because he's his cruel. His performance is beautiful. And it's also. Very unnerving. Mm-hmm. He's very menacing. He's As an actor I think he did a great job. He really ate this. Um, yeah. As a character, I feel oh, so very uncomfortable with his position, with the possible truth of the character. Having characters that are based on real people as well as fictional characters is always complicated in that way because I can't tell which parts are being fictionalized 
mm-hmm. and which parts are supposed to be more true to the character, like much of Rock Hudson's character. Because mm-hmm. he's he's very much like doe-eyed, like very innocent, like uh, he's Rock Hudson. He's he is just Rock this Hudson, precious queer man who's <laughs> <laughs> about to protect at all costs. And then there's this juxtaposition to a character who I also I have a lot of pity and reverence for at the same time in addition to outright fear but it's pretty quickly lost when you see him abusing his power left and right i don't think so not for me i i actually find his character really complicated for that reason when he's Mm -hmm. obviously abusing his power he's not by any stretch of the imagination a a good guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he has these moments these glimpses where He's so human that it makes it harder to hate him. And it's it's almost like the hate turns to pity every time. Right. But I don't like think has... you should pity a character and excuse some of their other stuff. Because there's a later. It. I just okay. think it, it, it does make it sadder for me that I feel like this character is this way and in this position because of terrible things that are hap- that happen in the world and happen to him. Right, Not just and, because like he doesn't feel like an individual in those moments where he and, just sort that, of softens. And that context does matter, but Dick lives in that world too, and he doesn't exploit Rock when he very much could have. And the juxtaposition he, is important. I just think that I it doesn't make me feel less bad for Big Bang Sheldon's character. As, <laughs> I mean, there's a moment where they're in a restaurant and he's giving Rock this speech about that's supposed to be about how much he cares about him. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he's trying to be romantic, but he doesn't know how because all he's been is abusive right. for so long. And right. it just breaks my heart every time because mm-hmm. it almost like his cruelty is habit. <sighs> I have to be careful about how I say this because there's an end monologue that he also gets his own redemptive arc where he sort of explains his behavior as being society around him had told him he was deviant and despicable and he sort of was like well if that's how the world thinks i am i'm going to wallow in it and just become the the evil they've convinced me i am and that's sad but they never really reckon with that enough they sort of just tie it up and then are like oh it's fine he he has his redemption he figures all this out and i think in many ways like especially the scene oh you didn't see this part either he comes in and saves the day at one point by doing a lot of his sort of underhanded, abusive tactics. Mm-hmm. But he's positioned as the hero. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly just to like wrap up a conflict because they were like, uh-oh, what are we going to do? It's it's when it's revealed that the, the media has picked up on Jack's being as a prostitute, which mm-hmm. I might, I might want to talk a little bit about the depiction of sex work generally. Um, but he then comes in and just, like, fixes it all. So it seems like they're saying, oh, see, he's fine. Like, he's a necessary evil, even though he's probably ruined countless people's lives and driven people to jump off the Hollywood sign. Like, he's the force that makes those things happen, I guess. But he's yeah. still, like, still like fun and, like, goofy and has one-liners. I, I definitely don't think he deserves redemption as a character. I, he's, just, he, he's just a bad person. It's just he's a bad person that I pity. It's just the the show really 
present that in the most nuanced way because they constantly are like, oh, but it still has to be fun. And every character has to be like still redeemable, even though the world is not that way. So I don't know exactly how I will feel about his redemptive arc. But I will say that up to the point that I have watched, I do think that that is a nuanced relationship. Okay. I think, I think that he's both of those things. And be, but maybe it's because he hasn't been redeemed. And so to me, he's still irredeemable. He's still very cruel. And all of the things that are even marginally pleasant about him are disconcerting. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing, there was a conversation I saw where people had compared, for some reason, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. to this show just because they have the name Hollywood mm-hmm. in it. I think there are some points where it's like, oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was about how there's this dark underside of this world, like always kind of underneath it. The past was sort of this glamorized view of it, but the future is bringing this potentially scary world, the killing of Sharon Tate, all of these other things. In this, it sort of just feels like a little bit more of a soft touch of it where it's like, oh, but everything's fine. Like, everything will be fixed, and once we have this representation of everyone on the screen, all the problems will go away, and it it feels a little naive. I guess that's the biggest thing. It's well-intentioned, but a little naive. I will say I do think it's supposed to be. Right. It just makes it very empty feeling at the end, to me, just because... This wish fulfillment idea is cute, but they never really have to grapple with anything more than that. And it kind of underserves the characters because we don't get to see them grow, I think, as much as they could have. But I think that's the point. (laughs) To make it feel kind of shallow and that they don't grow as characters? because they don't. Because the people that these characters represent don't get this happy ending. They don't grow at all. They don't, none of it ever happens for them. No, but the whole thing is that they do get the happy ending. Yeah, in the show. But I also think that there's like there's like a double voice thing here where Mm -hmm. the fact that everything works out is sinister because Mm -hmm. of how juxtaposed the truth is with that experience. You see, I I think that would be interesting, but I think that's giving it a little too much credit because I don't know what is hinting at that in the actual show. Well, I I mean I, I feel like I felt that way for most of the show, like especially the way that they decide to use real characters and real references. Yeah, characters that die, like Rock Hudson died of AIDS, and that's sort of looming over the entire story. Well, not just Rock Hudson. They ask, um, I forget the actress, the character's name, but the, the black girl who's dating Darren Chris's character, mm-hmm. they ask, ask her to act like another actress from Gone with the Wind who won mm-hmm. an Oscar for a Mammy performance. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of sort of nods at the way that these people were actually presented in history, like where you could actually go and look at these films and see how these actors and their identities were treated in this time. And I feel like the fact that they decided to insert these real narratives into this story is how I... I heard and felt that they were talking about something else that all of it is supposed to be a little bit dark because they're pretending that it's also happy and that it could go so well because there's this melancholy of oh these people actually had 
very terrible things happen in their life and we're watching it, but there's like a somberness to it that they never will get to have this fantasy version we're seeing on the screen. That's why in the opening, the whole thing is them climbing the Hollywood sign. Right. And that's, that's what's weird. Yeah. But none of them ever do because did you get to the point where they rewrite the story? They decide to change the movie. I haven't got to them changing the movie. Okay. They they change the movie substantively in a way that I feel like is a major left turn that makes it so it's much more fantasy land based. All right, Except- guys, we're just getting spoilers because uh, Chase has to tell me. <laughs> okay, they they write it so that she doesn't jump, that uh, she's convinced to come back down, that she actually didn't get cut from the movie, and then they walk off into the sunset. Okay, and- but you see how there's like a a conversation between like the darkness of reality and this fake picture perfect thing that they've created as a show right it just feels like they blinked because i was really interested in them using the iconography of the hollywood sign which itself has a very dark past because it originally was hollywood land which was a housing uh community that was completely segregated and then they just turned it into hollywood And the fact that there's this real-life person who jumped off, that's all, like, breaking down kind of this mythology of Hollywood, that there isn't this happy ending, that there are these people who are harmed and the outcasts of this world. Mm -hmm. And so then in the show, they're just like, but actually, though, we're going to make it so that everything's fine. And it felt like he had to compromise his vision. But I, I just, well, the writer? Yeah. Okay, I feel like Archie has already expressed that he is not very attached to this story. Right, because he's using it to get his foot in the door yeah, in many he ways. Goes on a very, he gives a very moving monologue about how he wrote this so that he could make it, but not because he feels any attachment to this story. And also that he can be seen as writing a story for not just black, black people, people not white just people. Yeah. yeah. Race Which films. is interesting, but... The fact that then he also changed the ending and, like, the message of it feels like the show itself was like, oof, we got to turn this into a happy fantasy land story. And I don't know. I, I maybe I like darker stories that feel more real and authentic. But I feel like the darkness in this is that they decided not to do what was real and authentic. Mm-hmm. They decided to just speak in nuance about how these things really went and how these things continue to usually go. But Mm -hmm. we don't have to tell that story this way because this is so openly fiction. Mm -hmm. And And everything is ridiculous and everything's technicolor. And this is the ending that these people will never get. So let's Mm -hmm. just give it to them this one time. Okay. Did you see the movie La La Land? I did not. (laughs) Okay. I, I I have a lot of problems with that movie, but that movie kind of does what you're describing, but actually makes it clear that's what they're doing. And I think executes it a little better than this. But I don't know. I see what you're saying, and I think that's interesting. And I think you will like it. And I still would kind of recommend the show because it's interesting to talk about. I just don't know if it's as good in execution, especially in the latter half. Start I would just strong. love to recast it and do it all over again. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I think that would be interesting. I think they were trying to go for smaller people because I haven't seen a lot of the people in this because it kind of replicates the feel of these are new actors where we don't know. Except um, for Darren Chris. Except for Darren Chris, and I recognize Laura Harriet because she 
was in the Spider-Man movie, the mm-hmm. first one with Tom Holland. Yeah. Um, and was obviously a side character in that, but I remembered her from that. Um, yeah. Did you have any I closing feel, thoughts? Um, oh, go I ahead. I like about the show that they... Oh, I guess I don't know about Rock, the act, actor who plays Rock Hudson, but um, most of the other characters actually play people who they fully identify with, which I just thought was an interesting decision. You didn't really have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, Darren Chris is actually half Filipino, mm-hmm. and having the actor who played Sheldon, who's been playing a straight man on television for all these years, get to actually mm-hmm. play someone queer. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was all pretty interesting as far as um, just casting decisions in relationship to their identity. Because that first scene where Darren Chris tells um, that woman that he's half Asian and she's like, what? And I at home was also like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Because you yourself seeing him in other roles, he had been able to pass this whole time. Yeah, because he is passing. I mean, he's still passing for the duration of the show. I'm just like, wow, who would have thought? And that makes it interesting to then see the show be kind of able to deconstruct some of that and how he had to hide but is able to get away with it because he, if he doesn't tell anyone, no one will know, whereas other people can't. Yeah. conversation about all of these characters who all of these actors who are doing this in Hollywood and are carrying those identities with them. And it's interesting. I think, I I think there are between the truth and the fiction in this. And that's that's what I'll lend it. Okay. That's a good note to to end on. There's a conversation between truth and fiction. How that conversation goes is, is relative to how you, how you like your stories told. Um, (laughs) Anyway, with the biggest transition ever to probably the most opposite show that you could talk about that we were planning to talk about, the finale of Westworld was this this past Sunday. So this weekend is going to be the the first weekend in six weeks or so without without Westworld. Um, again, we'll try not to like totally spoil everything, but I think we probably will reveal some details. I am going to totally spoil everything, you guys. Okay. I hope that you have already watched it. Um, if not, okay. turn back. Your, your spoiler thoughts. We're just going for it. What did you oh, think of, of it? Gosh. Okay, so this the show is supposed to sort of champion these themes of free will and tension mm. between expectation and reality and expressing humanity what it's supposed to look like, and what does free will look like, and it does free will look like a good thing? Really big question at the end there. I just feel like I hated this season. I did, I did not enjoy it. However, the season finale really tied it up so beautifully that it felt like I enjoyed the season. But then is that tricking you? It almost feels like they're pulling the wool over your eyes. That's every freaking season with Westworld, and I guess if I'm falling for the trick, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> the season just watched utilitarianism fail like that was the whole thing they're like we're gonna get they're gonna get out into the world it's going to be a computer run utilitarian simulation and it's not going to work out because it's best for the most amount of people but with what criteria let's explore and at what cost to others very high mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i have been tired of dolores for a while <laughs> She's going to be back in some capacity. She better That's... fucking not be. They better, <laughs> like, maybe. But this this Dolores right here. Oh, yeah. this. I, she better be gone. God this version it. of her, they've said, is gone. But I imagine they're going to flirt with it as being like, oh, she might have some memories of it. Are you happy about the show just because they got rid of her? Um, 
no, but I will say that it was a big improvement. She was a hypocrite as a leader. And right. it was exhausting because saving some people and arguing that they should rebel against their roles and people who use them as pawns and then turn around, turning around and using everyone as a freaking pawn, including herself. And you know what? Not even Dolores took it all that well. <laughs> um, and as an actress, mm-hmm. I did not find her performance compelling. I do think right. it's a character choice that mm-hmm. her expressions intentionally lacked a certain humanity. Mm-hmm. And emotion. That was very cold. Yeah. yeah, that's what they chose to depict her. But I can only get by for so long on the occasional subtle facial expression. Well, it's also the idea that the the hosts or the robots were sometimes more human than humans, that they had feelings and emotions and cared and connections. Yeah. She killed that off when she killed Teddy in the last season, in season I- two. And it was her relationship with Teddy wasn't even all of all that believable, romantic. There wasn't a whole lot of chemistry between the yeah. two of them. None of her aspects of humanity were believable. I don't know whether I need to blame the actress or the writing or just the decision to make her so stoic physically. Because mm-hmm. there could be the defense that her relationship with Teddy was not believable. Because it was written as a narrative that they had to go through, and then she just killed them off when he was like not as cold and cruel and violent and got second thoughts about things. Unless apparently, I still stand by the fact that I think Teddy was still alive and was Charlotte Hale or Tessa Thompson in the show, but that's just me. I wanted that to be true so much. But it seems like it's not. They <laughs> it's didn't not. really, it might be. <laughs> it's not true. No, you, you it's not true. Because in the in the finale, they they address more specifically the sort of metaphysical dilemma of them being supposedly the same person and not the same person anymore. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. though for some reason their relationship seems so romantic compared mm-hmm. to how she treats her other selves, but mm-hmm. maybe they're just maybe they're parts of herself. Right, but once they split and begin having different experiences, then they're different. Yeah, but also maybe the parts are stronger in some characters. Like, you notice that that Dolores is more emotional than all of the other ones. And did she make it that way so that she could almost control and manipulate her in I some think, ways? I think so. Or, or I don't know if it's intentional also, because I just don't feel like that part is explored enough. And I'm not even sure if it's just that Tessa Thompson's performance is so <laughs> fantastic that you think that it had to be written this way. Right. The the biggest bummer for me was that Tessa Thompson kind of disappears toward the end, except for the post credit stinger, which we'll kind of get to. But also that Maeve really gets the short end of the stick this season. Trash. I was so frustrated with her plot. It was garbage. It was stupid. But... It, it starts off with her being in this different world, but it's just a different simulation. And she, she spends so long then breaking out of that. And she's just a puppet. For everyone, and yes, mm-hmm. at the end they tie it into a bow, where she finally does it. But it just feels like so, so long coming of just they all this. They know that other... I'll be here next season because I'm just sick and tired of seeing. We had to watch Maeve not just be a puppet, but to be an AI's puppet's puppet. Right, and that's so just not what her character was interesting about. Was in the second season she discovered this ability that she had to manipulate the world around her to save all the hosts 
And now that's like used against her and just she's sort of stuck then, I guess. It just completely yeah. stripped away all the interesting aspects of her character. Up until this last moment where she finally flexes her ability to control her own destiny and also it... to empathetically relate to other characters. <laughs> but again, that's that's like, yes, sort of then like, oh, now I'll come back. But if if it's just going to be this like marketing ploy almost where then it's like, oh, we make it interesting at the very end. I so then you want to watch the next You're season. Right. I'm not then... sure whether or not I'm being tricked. And I never, but this is how Westworld's always been for me. This is a greater criticism of the show. I feel with every iteration, like it's creating suspense for something great. And I'm not sure that something great is coming. Right. It was the mystery. It was the maze. It was a lot of the philosophical stuff. And I think this season they shifted to be more action-based, which I didn't think always worked. But they were trying to make it more exciting and fast-paced. But the characters just really got short end of the stick. I really yeah. think so. I think Maeve, I think Bernard was just going on, like, missions. It felt like it was constantly... Bernard was all side quest. Yeah, and it was always just, like, a MacGuffin of he's got to find William, he's got to find this, and he's got to do that. And it's like, okay. Maybe it's more of an epic. And maybe I just have to like accept that they're leaning into the possibility of an episodic TV show to be epic and to be so slow because they have the time. I mean, so there have been some comparisons I've seen floating around online where people have said this, like, because people don't like Westworld and the way the, the season went, that's why we're going to get like a finale like Game of Thrones. And like, we're the ones that caused this to happen. And this is so much better than Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones had a very rushed end to their show. I didn't watch it on purpose. I'm not okay. Watch it. It's okay. I know this, what happens. I know. This is just like, I, I feel like this seems more planned out. I feel like the, the way that Game of Thrones went, it felt like they just threw away the ending. Right. And this the, feels more like somebody is, has calculatively written a mediocre show with... <laughs> this underlying con that it is brilliant <laughs> okay and i think that might be worse i think sure. if they're sort of not wanting to try anything because even though i understand what you're saying about the previous two seasons i felt like the previous two seasons were trying to be ambitious and i was interested in where this one was going to go because it felt like it was going to reinvent itself but almost every decision it reinvented itself with was weird like this the shift towards it being more of an action genre which there were action set pieces in the previous season but in this one it was very much marketed on there's a car chase and he's switching through genres which was I like strange that. i like that here's, the that. Thing. here's the thing the genres were very ill-defined to me at a certain point they stopped being genres it sort of just ended up being like a different music choice and aesthetic and yeah, well it's a drug I know, I know it was a drug, but <laughs> there, there's no long-lasting impact to that as on his character, which is a separate thing that I think Caleb as a character is also kind of a waste. And the fact that we get his character at the expense of Maeve having more of an impact in the story, Bernard having more of an impact in the story, I, I, I don't know. There's a part of me that really believes, though, that this setup could end well and I guess that's why I tried in some ways I try to reserve judgment for the pace being so slow because 
when they introduce new characters, I'm always opposed because they spend so much time developing each character that I know that this guy is going to rob me of my time with characters right. I already love. But I also realize that I love these characters because of this every small detail journey that we've been on with, on with them. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should give that an opportunity to grow with this character as well, which I did feel this season. I, I am attached to this character to Caleb. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's Aaron Paul is good. I really think he's a good actor. And all of his friends and their whole situation and this possibly terrible for the world revolution. Um I I I'm I'm invested and I feel like they did a good job of that and maybe it's that his character arc is going to be to involve a lot of action and maybe so you action think he's... is the theme. You think he's going to be involved in the next season? You think they're going to keep Caleb around? Yeah, Caleb's going to be here. <laughs> but is he going to be an active force in the plot? Or yes. are they going to... Okay. Is he going to be battling... Uh, I guess, sh- should I still call her Hale? I Charlotte don't know. Like, I, I don't know who the new villain will be. Because they're very be good at introducing new villains. It'll be her and... I'm going to call Shadow him... William. Mecca William, Shadow Mecca William, yeah, and I, I guess it's going to be her sort of seeking revenge. Um, okay. I want to talk about William, but okay. first, I just before we move away from Dolores, yeah, I yeah, do think that it is weird that the finale essentially identifies Dolores as the Adam of Westworld. Yeah, she's a and- martyr. Yeah, and then martyrs her. We got pump fakes for her death like three different times. But right. I think that it's interesting that in the last episode or the last two episodes, they managed to establish these two beings as gods and mm-hmm. then kill them. Again, we don't know they're dead, though. Because... Okay, well, I mean, I mean, Dolores, we, we can feel confidently that she's dead. Maybe dead, maybe dead as she is now, yeah. but there will as be she is some. Now, yeah, her... maybe her presence will be in the show, but I mean, just her killing her character and also killing both of the other AIs. I Which are that's... the other AIs you're referring to? Okay, so there's the the one that works, and then the one that's a little bit off, who runs a lot more simulations than the first one. <laughs> hmm. What are their uh, names? Who are you saying? Solomon. Oh yeah, the the brother and then the big overarching apparatus. You're talking about those, okay? Yes, and just establishing them as these sort of godly creatures, and then in the conversation with Maeve, Dolores basically establishes herself as being Adam. Like everyone is based off of me. I was the first character that worked, and then just killing the gods. I liked that. Here's the thing. I could totally imagine them being like, oh, they were able to predict this, though. So really, they saved their whole consciousness on a flash drive. And then someone's going to discover that flash drive. And then, ah, craziness. Right. Or maybe get stupid Dolores back. (laughs) (laughs) They just, like, uploaded her to the cloud. And then she comes back into the body. Right. There is a big loophole here where we could get a Dolores at any time as long as there are hosts. I think I think Evan Rachel Wood is going to be an actor in the show, whether it as the Dolores she was in this season. That is up to whether they're being honest when they say she's truly gone, because. But I, I 
just mean I feel like it's plot-wise very interesting for them to have made that choice. Just a very, like, kill-your-idols sort of situation that unfolds so quickly between her announcing that she's the blueprint Mm -hmm. (laughs) TM to (laughs) to her presence in this AI killing him as well. Okay. I see what you're saying. Interesting. Um, anyway, so let's talk about William and his fight with himself for yeah episodes. Well, what do you think about his fight with himself? I'm asking you. I mean, are you talking about the scene where it's the like support group and he's talking to all the versions of himself? Yes, and everything that leads to there. It's just William's plot is so different from everyone else's because he's basically the only actor in it. What do you mean? Like, all the other characters constantly interact with one another. They're learning from each other. Right. They're making decisions based on the behaviors of others. And then there's William, who yeah, is once, alone, once, essentially, in a psych ward. Once Hale institutionalizes him, he basically becomes removed from the plot until the very end. Exactly. Which is sort of the, the problem I had, just is that all these different characters were sometimes very far removed from each other and it might be different in the next season but it just felt like you could have removed certain subplots and it wouldn't have mattered and then they just bring them together occasionally to be like oh isn't this interesting like bernard and Stubbs have william at gunpoint and then he turns the tables but then he runs off and disappears i really really was interested in this season and it just felt like it was way too much of a mess. And so I you don't didn't love William in therapy. I, I like William it. in therapy <laughs> because that felt like some of the old stuff of Westworld, where it was like almost replicating what he had done to his boss, putting him in that glass, um, basically prison and making him go through these motions. It felt like it was recalling some of that. But then it's just like, oh, William at the end. Like, you know his line where he's like, I'm going to save the world or whatever Mm -hmm. he says? They use that in the trailer. And I was like, oh, William's going to be there at the end. He's going to be involved in everything that's there. I figured Bernard would be there because of um, the fact that he had him at gunpoint. And that's where he was taking them. But instead, that's like towards the end. And it's just only to set up the fact that he presumably gets killed. At least that William. And then... William Prime. William and Charlotte Hale slash Dolores are now the main villains, I guess. I love that arc. (laughs) I I do. I really enjoyed watching William fight through this journey of self-exploration, through deciding whether or not he wanted to take responsibility for his own life or his own fate. And then while in the show, there's this parallel big picture conversation about free will. Mm-hmm. And William is completely locked up, unable to do anything except think freely. Just to come to a realization about himself and something that he is actually going to decide to do. And he's going to take responsibility for it. And this is going to be almost like the first thing that he's ever really done. It just feels like then that's all for naught if I love that. he's going to get killed and replaced. By another shadow of his past. I love that. It feels anticlimactic is what I'm saying. Like, I agree with you. All of that stuff is interesting. But then if it's just he gets replaced. It seems so appropriate. It seems just right. It's on brand for that to have happened to William. 
I guess I, we'll see. Because do we know he's dead? Yeah, yeah. She slits his throat. She kills him. Kills him. But he's he's could be a robot, and they do he, have medical I, I, technology that could save him. I really did always think that the man in black was supposed to be a robot. I think they pretty clearly said he was. But then they abandoned that. Because there's a point where he says, well, I'm the only person in this room who's human, where he has to, like, or only person here that's human when he has to take a piss. I know, but he thinks he is. It could be his delusions again that he's fallen back into this narrative they've given him. But they wouldn't have to re... to, I don't know, do that readjustment or reprogramming if he wasn't human. I think he's, I think he's human. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they've really explained that well enough. Because I right. think there was a big hint at the end of the last one that he might not be. But I think that that might have just been their their way of indicating that he's duplicable. Right. Which everyone is because they have this entire backlog of all of our thoughts and choices and things. Yeah. Yeah. But but not just that, because it doesn't always work. Because remember, a lot of them had to be they had to go through that process of being verified where they have to do the same thing over and over again. You know that. The replications of him are accurate to himself yeah the re-educated versions of him to yeah. fit the the right pattern yeah i'm interested to see then where that goes i guess he's dead i guess we'll see the dark version of him okay. and and hale just running around doing whatever i don't know inability to get redemption that he just will never be redeemed and i'm <laughs> i have a question what do, what do you think of Bernard, though? Because Bernard was the character that I always sort of connected with the most because he was the one that had his whole world turned upside down. It's him and Maeve, but Maeve obviously really got not much to do. But Bernard, at the end of this, he's in a motel room. There have been a lot of funny memes about Stubbs just being a skeleton. Yeah, that's the, what I was thinking. I was like, so you just left Stubbs in that bathtub, huh? Said, um, I'll be right back and just... It was probably months because then there's dust all around him. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is that he saw? Because I think that might be the driving force of his character in the next season. But we pretty much know it's where they sent all the other yeah. hosts. Just, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. And I don't think, I don't feel like I've, I can identify a moment where I feel like it's been heavily foreshadowed what is on the other side of that it's it's i've got a very heaven Mm -hmm. idea but maybe by the look of bernard when he opened his eyes maybe it's more sinister than that and that's like all the hints i have he obviously didn't choose to stay there he came back he brought himself back online yeah after months stoked right he has good news so yeah that's all i got and I don't know. I think there are mysterious things. I think the central mystery about Caleb was a little forced in this, where it was, oh, they're giving you drugs, and the whole app system, that's how they monitor all you people. That It just didn't really land and felt shallow like a lot of the other things. I wish... I like Aaron Paul a lot. I just think that maybe they should have streamlined it a little bit so that Maeve didn't get completely sidelined, treated as a puppet until the very end, almost as an attempt to make you forget all of that other stuff. Ignore ignore the entire character arc she's been on, or lack of a character arc she's been on. But maybe this just end. wasn't her season. 
No, but that's you can't. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem with making a show this slow. Like for me, it feels like wow, we put an entire season into this, and I didn't get to see any Maeve. But also, maybe in the long run. I'll go back and be like, oh, wow, she was the main character of the whole show. And just one season she wasn't in and I was upset. I don't know. I think I think I hear Loris what you're saying. Is gone, she's definitely set up to be the main character. Who Again, else do we even care about? Dolores is not gone. Dolores is going to be back. You know because... what I mean? <laughs> Dolores herself is not coming back. Maybe we'll Dolores get Dolores 2.0 is coming we'll get back. The memory. Dolores 2.0 is not ever going to be looking like Dolores. We're keeping Hale. Okay. So I would be fine with that. But the thing is, for the show, they need to keep the actors. They need to keep Evan Rachel Wood in the show because people recognize her and are like, oh, yeah, Evan Rachel Wood. They need to because I don't, don't recognize her besides from Westworld. You're right. I'm the only one who's seen the other movie she was in with Ellen Page that I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, but... I have no idea who she is. And if okay. she dies off, I I feel like this would be an appropriate time to genuinely kill off her character. She can okay. have lots of flashback scenes. I think her death was moving. It was impactful. And they pump faked it so many times that if she comes back, it'd be fair to be mad. She dies three times in two episodes. Yeah, yeah. So but this could be another pump fake in disguise. You never know. Right, but I, I, I want to believe they won't do that to me. And if, if the show is as it seems to be, where it's going to continue to develop super slowly, maybe it's these characters that I feel like are being shorted, and it is because there's going to be more development later, and this is backstory. Mm-hmm. They did once say that the first what two seasons of Westworld or whatever were basically a prequel that's so stupid i mean because they said that openly i've always tried to imagine this season as being essentially season one and that's that's not a good first season because authors will do that will they'll write stories before the story so that they in their head fill in some of the backstory but they don't always publish it yeah they gave it to us but they told us that's what they were doing okay and I feel like that because of that, if this is the first season and it ends with a dead Dolores and Maeve being able to control who knows what. Then you're okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with this. We'll see how it goes. Okay. I'll, I'll try and have your optimism. Do you have, do you have any other closing thoughts on, on Westworld? Um, no, that is all. Uh, I, I wonder why they kept the Hemsworth. Uh, sorry. Why like, they kept Stubbs? Yeah. Yeah. Why did Luke stay? Was it because of the the recognition of his name? Which is no. fair. No way. I, hey, he's a Hemsworth. He's not. I know, one but of he's, the other two. he's a Hemsworth. He's the least known Hemsworth. I think they just wanted to have the buddy cop dynamic with him and Bernard, which was kind of silly, because he was just like drinking all the time. I liked <laughs> it. I didn't. I wasn't upset with it. It just seemed so strange to me when so much of the rest of the show seems geared towards this big picture that you can't see yet mm-hmm. so whenever they throw in things that seem almost trivial like bernard wakes up covered in dust and everybody is thinking about this man in the bathtub and i feel like that is the essence of his character for the entire season <laughs> Bernard is busy doing shit. You know he's developing as a character. You know he's there. That all of this is going to be important later. Whereas Stubbs is drinking in the bathtub and you don't see him. <laughs> William called him a can opener, and I felt that. I felt it in my heart. 
Hey, if he's a can opener, he can open his own cans and drink his own beer from whatever. He can it works. Stitch himself back up. Is he dead? Does he die? I think he might be. He might be offline, and Bernard's gonna have to resurrect but, him. Yeah, I but don't he know. can't die. I guess it's not that big of a deal. How long has he been in the bathtub? Nobody cares about Stubbs really, and his name is in the opening credits. So, <laughs> you think maybe he could be the the underdog, the secret? important super valuable character that changes he everything builds for what, this is what he's done so far <laughs> so yeah, i hope right. so oh boy what a, what a weird season i don't know it's i've been liking more of the other shows hbo's had i've liked insecure and uh the show run those those have been more compelling storylines to me obviously very different but oh boy um, I did see my brilliant friend that they made a TV show about my brilliant friend. Mm-hmm. Um, What's that about? From the Elena Ferrante novel, which I read for a philosophy course in college. Mm-hmm. And it is about these two women who are friends their whole lives. And essentially one of them decides that she's just going to disappear. Mm-hmm. And okay. she's, always, she's always joked or I don't know if I would say joke. She's always um, foreshadowed throughout her life that one day she would just wake up and she'd just disappear. She'd cut herself out of all her photos and she would just pretend she never existed. Mm. And then one day she wakes up and she actually does it. I think and you should watch Run. It sounds a little similar to that. Keep going though. Sorry. Well, no, I'm just I was just interested in. It. I was going to to watch um, Westworld and I saw that it was. Uh, they made it into a television show. I was really interested because in college we spent at least two months just analyzing the relationship between affection and envy in these two characters, whether or not she's jealous of her friend for having disappeared, for the ability to do so, or for taking control of her own life like that, or whether or not she just misses her because she loved her so much. I'm I'm excited to watch it. I'll watch it. So that's my recommendation. That's your recommendation. Uh, my recommendation are some movies that are coming out either yesterday when you listen to this or today. Um, there are two movies, Clementine, which I really liked. It's a story of this woman who, after being broken up with by an older woman, goes to her lake house in the Pacific Northwest and just mm-hmm. breaks in and stays there. And that's all I'm going to say because it's good. And the other movie is Driveways, which I'm going to say even less about. Because I'm probably going to talk about it next week with previous guest Jay for a Asian American Pacific Islander themed episode for the Heritage Month that is going on. And we'll be talking about Driveways, Tiger Tail, the half of it, some other movies that have come out. But thank you everyone so much for listening. Thank you, Quinnell. I'm I'm sad you won't be here next week as you will be traveling and taking a week off. I hope you have a good trip. Thank you so much. And uh, as usual, thanks everyone for listening. Have a good weekend, everybody. Stay safe.